Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome into this Quotable Monday. Most Mondays, I like to feature a quote that I find valuable, that I find intriguing, inspirational, and pass that along to you. And typically, after quoting the quote, I give my feedback or give my input on what I think it means or how it applies to different aspects of our life. And in this Quotable Monday, I'm going back with Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor and Stoic philosopher. And he says this, Whenever someone has done wrong by you, immediately consider what notion of good or evil they had in doing it. For when you see that, you'll feel compassion instead of astonishment or rage. I want to say this again. Whenever someone has done wrong by you, immediately consider what notion of good or evil they had in doing it. For when you see that, you'll feel compassion instead of astonishment or rage. When we can accept people for who they are, for their humanity, and the fact that virtually everyone operates from their own selfish agenda, their own personal agenda, and sometimes it doesn't uh, include you, doesn't include your wants and needs. And why should it? You're responsible for your wants and needs for the most part. Along these lines, I'm going to talk about the lyrics of a song from sometime in the 90s, I believe. It was sung by Jody Watley, and the name of the song is Friends. A couple of lines say this, Have you ever been stabbed in the back by someone you thought was really cool? Did they steal your lover, or was it money, or was it the lies they told? Strangers just disguised as your friends. Never again, because now you know that friends will let you down, that friends won't be around, that friends will let you down, friends won't be around. When you need them most, where are your friends? Oh, friends are hard to find. Friends yours and mine, I'm talking about your friends. When I heard this song back in the 90s, I was uh, fresh off a spiritual awakening. And so I took a spiritual meaning to this that don't take it personal, that friends are doing the best they can with the resources they have. And sometimes, or many times, they're going to let you down. So when you have the expectations for friends, lovers, other people, and they don't show up the way you wanted them to, we can't take it personal, because people are always operating from their own agenda, their own personal agenda. And many times, they don't have the foresight or the ability to take you into consideration. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you fit into their agenda. But when you don't, can you really hold it against them? Well, of course you can, but is it the highest expression of consciousness to do so? So when I take Marcus Aurelius's quote to heart, whenever someone has done you wrong, immediately considered what notion of good or evil they had in doing it. So did they purposely attempt to undermine you? Were they being vindictive? Were they being angry, tried to hurt you in some way, attack you? To me, that's a little bit more malicious than if someone does me wrong by just following their own path, by attempting to fulfill on their own personal needs. 
Now, granted, this is a space or place that requires a certain amount of discernment to ascertain what is motivating them, what is the outcome that they're trying to achieve. If it was malicious, if it was attacking you directly, then you may want to distance yourself from them most definitely. But you don't necessarily need to be filled with anger or disappointment about it. You just kind of accept them for who they are. That's them being them, and it just doesn't work for me. So you create distance or separate yourself from their from the effects of being around them. Questioning it another way is ascertaining whether or not this is a constant, predictable way of being for them, or is it a result of extenuating circumstances, something odd or something off, something else going on with them, whether it be stress or lack of sleep or something. Because over the years, I've had friends and lovers show up or be very caustic in their response to me. But as I thought about it, they were operating from their own source of fear, their own inadequacies, their own insecurities. And so it really didn't have anything to do with me. It was just how they were responding to the moment. And so it was easy for me to forgive them because I did not take it personally. In the Buddhist practice of compassionate meditation... We hold the image of other people that have wronged us, maligned us, and we hold a compassionate place in our heart for them, recognizing our humanity, their humanity, has a common ground. That in some way, shape, or form, I have done the same thing. Not necessarily to them, but potentially someone else. I might have even done it to myself. It's in that compassionate reflection that we recognize our humanity in our commonality with others, that we also too have the capacity to harm, to hurt, to trespass on another's feelings. And many times, more often than not, it was never intentional. It was just a fallout of our own selfish needs or our own attempt to fulfill our own selfish needs. And from my point of view, there's nothing wrong with that. You see, a lot of people teach out there that you need to be considerate of other people. But why? I think you should be considerate of people to a point, but if it compromises your self-identity, if it compromises your needs, your wants, your life, that you're living your life for other people instead of yourself, I can see that as a parent. I can see that to a certain point. But even then, there are times when you need to let your children fall and skin their knee and pick themselves up. You don't necessarily have to do it for them because you're really not empowering them to do it on their own when you're not around. But by the very nature of the role, being a parent means that you put a lot of your wants and needs on the back burner. You don't necessarily ignore them completely, but sometimes the priority is the screaming baby in front of you. But the metaphor that I most closely associate with this idea is that when the cabin pressure falls in the airplane, the oxygen mass will drop and you're instructed to reach out and take the oxygen mask first for yourself, then help the people around you. Because if you're not getting oxygen, you're not going to last very long. You won't be able to help anybody more than likely. Along these lines, I also have the philosophy that I'm responsible for myself, responsible for my feelings, I get to choose my response. You're not responsible for making me happy. You're not responsible for making me laugh, making me sad. You can't make me angry. 
Now, I can respond angrily to your behavior, but you really don't make me feel any way. I choose to feel. And if I take that responsibility for myself, I, I accept that responsibility in other people. It's not their responsibility to make me happy. And so, Uma, if we don't take this personally, then there's nothing to get angry about. We can be in a state of acceptance. Oh, this is how you are. Okay, I guess I'll respond accordingly. But if you're not activated, if you just kind of look at how they're showing up and say, hmm, isn't that interesting? Then there's no emotional charge. It doesn't mean anything about you. And frankly, that's where we get in trouble a lot. Some of us have had parents that were less than amazing in their parental skills. And that's probably saying it mildly. Sometimes parents show up as an outraged monster. And when we're little, we feel completely at the victim. Yet they were really operating out of a a gross sense of insecurity, overwhelm, and possibly their own history of trauma. This is actually a question that comes up a lot when dealing with subpersonalities. Now, I've been talking about subpersonalities a lot, and there's other references in different episodes, but essentially that's an aspect or a subcomponent of your overall personality. And when we heal a subpersonality that was born out of trauma, typically it involves that compassionate view of our aggressor. And we do that in order to free ourselves up of being a victim. Now, speaking of subpersonalities, when people have the experience of a conflict, inner conflict, or a saboteur or self sabotage, that's typically a subpersonality that is operating in the shadows or from the past. And be- just because you set this grand intention for your life, a part of you is afraid. And so it will derail you or sabotage the efforts or seemingly sabotage the efforts. When we dig deeper and actually address this subpersonality, what is your real intention? What are you trying to achieve here? The intention is always benevolent to your overall safety and well-being. And the healing comes from when we can look at this subpersonality, interact with this subpersonality, and love it unconditionally, be accepting of it, be in the consideration of its motivation, its notion of good and evil. And so while on one hand it feels like it's self-sabotage, it's really not. There is just a conflict or a fear that's operating at another level. And more often than not, this part that created the intention to begin with, thinking it was in charge, didn't actually check in with all the different parts to see if everyone, every aspect, every subpersonality was on board or in alignment with that intention. Many of these subpersonalities that operate in the shadows, or so-called shadow self, many of them, because they were fearful, because they didn't feel equipped, We've sometimes left them behind in the past. We actually disown that part of us and we try to discipline it or override it, use willpower to squash it. We consider it a weak part of us or it's a part that we don't want to actually face or own. But when we can look at it with compassion, when we can interact with it and align with its intention, 
we can actually offer up many more options, more skills, more abilities, different strategies to achieve the same thing. We actually can get it to work with us cohesively and congruently. And at this point, I want to reread the quote just to re-presence you to what the quote actually is saying. Whenever someone has done wrong by you, and that means somebody else or a subpersonality, an aspect of you, immediately consider what was the notion of good or evil they had in doing it. For when you see that, you'll feel compassion instead of astonishment or rage. Consider, consider that when someone lets you down, rather than anger, it's a call for love. It's a call for compassion. It's a call for a deeper question. What's going on? What were you attempting to achieve? What was your real intention? And sometimes even when they were on the attack, they were coming from a place of fear, a place of insecurity. They felt threatened. And this is where it's true. Most often it's the people that are hardest to love that need it the most. One of the presuppositions of neurolinguistic programming, NLP, is that everyone is always doing the best they can with the resources they have at any given moment. A presupposition is something that we presume is true. It's not necessarily proven by fact. It's a position we take. But when you operate from the idea that everyone is always doing the best they can with the resources they have, and some people don't always have access to an elegant expression, it could be the amount of sleep they had, maybe they're hangry, you know, they haven't eaten all day, maybe they're going through an emotional crisis, or maybe they're overstressed. And because of their state, their emotional state, and the, I guess, the relative resources that they had available personal resources they had available at the time, there was no other behavior that could have come out of that. You can even look at yourself when you've had behavior, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but when we look back on it, we were judgmental of a particular time. I could have known better. I should have known better. I could have done differently. Yeah, you could have, but you didn't. So in that moment, if you put yourself right back in time at that moment, you are making those decisions and you consider what your thoughts were at the time, your point of view, uh, your emotional state, what were you trying to achieve? You more than likely, not even more than likely, you would. You would make the same decisions all over again because you always do the best you can with the resources you have at that moment. And when you realize that about yourself, you can actually offer up compassion, compassion for yourself. You can be gentle with yourself. You can be gentle and compassionate with the people in your life. So that's it for this Quotable Monday. Hopefully it's given you something to think about. And as I sign off here, I'm going to ask you to leave a review, to give me a five-star review. That's if you think I deserve a five-star review. And if you want to give me less, do me a favor. Actually stand behind your review. If you give me less than a five-star, leave a comment on why you're giving me less than five. I wish it wasn't true, but I guess the reviews mean a lot. It's how Apple ranks the different podcasts, how they recommend them, how other people actually assess whether or not it's a worthwhile listen. And so your review can have wide-ranging impact. So, 
I'm thanking you in advance. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals as you engage in the epic adventure. Thank you.